Welcome to Uncanonical, the kinship podcast. When something is canonical or accepted as canon, it refers to any inspired writings accepted as holy scripture. This is not that. This is stories of faith, stories of loss, and biblical stories told with many liberties taken. My name is Jacqueline. And I'm Lana. And today we're going to explain why uncanonical and why kinship. The inspiration for Uncanonical came back in 2017. I had a few hours to kill with a coworker of mine who didn't know anything about the Bible. She didn't grow up in a faith-based home. She hadn't really seen much about it on media. And so the whole Bible to her is just a mystery of random names and the visions and blurs of stories that she had maybe heard on The Simpsons or right. something like that. Yeah. And so um, I shared a funny story with her that had, you needed to have religious knowledge to understand this funny story. So I gave her just enough background to understand why I was laughing at something on my phone. Well, this led to a ah, probably two and a half, almost three hour conversation that was just a series of me explaining biblical stories to her. So she would ask me, okay, well, who's David? Okay, well, who was Samson? Okay, wait, what's the Trinity? What does that even mean? Which is a really good question. A really good question. One that yeah. a lot of Christians don't even have an answer for. Right, right. <laughs> so we had a phenomenal time, but the way that I tell stories anytime, whether it's about my own life or someone else's life, <laughs> or in this case, the Bible, was with a lot of flair, a lot of drama, a lot of hand motions and hair flipping when Delilah came up and whatever the case may be. And so at the end of this conversation, my friend turned to me and just said, girl, you should have a podcast telling Bible stories because I would listen to these stories. And I thought, man, what a cool idea to get people who don't know anything about the Bible and Jesus and Christianity to learn some of that history and those stories if they heard it in a way that was funny and relatable and maybe a little bit more millennial and a little bit less King James. That's fair. A little less intimidating. A little less intimidating. Yeah, and yeah. so I, I decided that it would be a fun idea and it didn't really come to fruition until 2019, 2020. <laughs> but, um, but that was where the vision for Uncanonical started. Okay, so you keep saying uncanonical. You're going to have to explain what is uncanonical for those of us who grew up in the church and have no idea what that means. You know, even I went to Bible college, didn't know what it mean, means. Or for those who, like your friend, no church background whatsoever. What is uncanonical, Jackie? Yeah, okay, <laughs> that's fair. Um, so uh, we glaze over it a little bit in the intro, which is that anything yes, you did. Yeah. is accepted as canon. It refers to the inspired writings accepted as holy scripture. But the way that we get to that is a little bit of a longer story mm -hmm. and one that requires a bit of an understanding of church history. Right. And it's something that I feel we sometimes talk about in Bible college, but even that, like yourself, went to Bible college and yeah. still didn't learn much about it. Um, and in churches, we talk about it even less. I guess so, it was like that canonical title, right? Yeah, yeah. totally. And so um, anything that's canon is basically what is the Holy Scripture as it stands right now. So the 39 books that we have in the Old Testament, the 27 books we have in the New Testament, that is the canon. That is accepted as biblical truth and um, and base knowledge of these are our scriptures. This is what we all have accepted as the basis for the faith we have now. And so that started um, a long time ago um, because spirituality, when it 
Christian faith when it started was mostly an oral tradition. So it was passed on verbally from generation to generation. And then after the rise of literacy came about and, and writing and reading became a lot more prominent, then people started writing down a lot of these stories as they were telling them, they would also keep track of them in writing and pass those along. And that helped it become a little bit more global. And, and to a degree, people felt that that was more accurate Mm-hmm. Um, depending on who you talk to at the time, because the oral tradition forever was the standard as well. So that started in you know Old Testament times, but then after the New Testament, after Jesus came and left, after the early church, there was this period of about 450 years between the early 300s and kind of the late 700s, so like 325 to 787, especially, where there was about seven um, they were called the seven ecumenical councils. And there's more than just those ones, which is another big word. Uh, ecumenical. Bless you. Yeah. Um, yeah thank you. Hachu. <laughs> what does that mean? Basically, what it was was meetings of the global church. So uh, the early okay. church started in the early hundreds, right? Like, so right mm-hmm. after Christ. Like in Acts, if mm-hmm. you were to pinpoint it in the Bible. Exactly. And so there was a lot of letters from Paul and Peter and, and that sort of thing to those different early churches. And then after that time, hundreds of years later, there was some kind of disagreement about what was scripture. You know, they had the Dead Sea Scrolls and all these Old Testament writings, but which ones are the ones that were inspired by God, which ones were the most valuable and contained the most truth regarding God and how he worked in the Old Testament and Jesus' life and the writings that were sent to the early churches. So there was about 450 years where there was, at that time, seven councils, and then before and after there was some as well, where they sat down, the global church sat down, all these big, big, big church leaders sat down and they said, okay, which of these writings are the ones that are the most helpful and the most true and contain the most foundational knowledge for us to build this faith on and to unify the church really going forward? Because if you read in the early New Testament, it talks about the church being one as as, as Christ is one. So that unification has always been something that was very biblically important and very um, important to God. And so they had to come up with a way to say, okay, we all agree that this is what we've built our faith on. We all agree that these writings are the writings that explain Jesus' life the best and explain the Old Testament law the best. And so that's how they nailed down the 39 and 27 books of the Old and New Testament. And they came up with a few other documents that were like, creeds mm. like the nicene creed the apostles creed that kind of just summarize these are the points that we believe in so that right god is the father jesus the son he came to earth died for our sins that sort of thing so those scripture books that's canon that's what is canon now and how it became canon and so there's other books like the book of maccabees for example that mm-hmm. is accepted in catholic tradition but not so much in Protestant tradition. So if you ask any Protestant about the book of Maccabees, they probably will have no idea what you're talking about. What are you talking about? I have no idea what that is. That's not part of the Bible, but that is extra canonical. So they would still say that it's helpful and beneficial and it contains writings that can influence your understanding of God and history in a helpful way. But the Protestant faith decided, you know what, that one isn't needed to build our faith on, whereas the Catholic tradition decided it was. And so depending on the faith tradition you have, some of those books stayed and some of those books kind of got cut to keep the most like streamlined belief system. So that's extra canonical. (laughs) 
And so we thought that I thought that um, if we're going to be telling people's stories that are yeah. helpful and true and telling biblical stories that are helpful and true, but maybe with a little bit of flair, I'm going to call it flair. With a little bit of hair flipping? With a little bit of hair flipping, which you won't see on this podcast, but you can trust that it's going to be there. You can hear it. You'll know. You'll know. <laughs> I took off my jingly earrings or that would have been more effective. Jingle, 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 jingle. Yeah, there you hold go. on. There you go. Yeah. Get it, get it, get it. <laughs> so extra canonical was already taken. And so we decided to call the podcast uncanonical because it's not canon. These are not liturgical, agreed upon, council decided. Please don't send stories. us emails telling us we're heathens. Because I know that that's not. <laughs> but I thought that there was enough translations of the actual Bible that are actual scripture, but maybe mm. not enough stories that are accessible and interesting to listen to for someone who has no idea where to start. So essentially you're kind of taking it back to the old Testament and going back to the verbal storytelling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Verbal storytelling, except they were really concerned with structure and truth and accuracy. And I'm going to be a little less, less concerned. Yeah. With structure, truth and accuracy. Sometimes a little less structure is always a fun thing, right? right? Depends on your audience. Depends yeah, on your audience. Exactly. And so that's uncanonical. Um, and then the subheading though is, the Kinship Podcast, which right. is more of a throw to um, to the Kinship Conference. And that's, Uncanonical's my baby, but the Kinship Conference is your baby. So tell us, Lana, a little bit more about what Kinship is. So the Kinship Conference is a young adult conference that uh, was put on my heart by God. Uh, the first one, it started, we started planning in 2018. The first conference was January 2019. We are already full swing for 2020. The vision for it started back in 2016 when I was doing a leadership project in Alberta Bible College. And um, while I was there in this particular class, I we had to do what our dream ministry would be. And I didn't realize that it would be this and including a podcast. But one of the things I did was I did research on youth and young adults leaving the church. And I found out some pretty staggering statistics. Like by the end of their graduation, by the year that youth graduate from high school, 70 to 80% of them leave their church and hence their faith. Mm -hmm. And then that number after the first year of university and college jumps to 90%. So that's our future. We're losing our future. And then of those 70 to 90% who leave the church, only 30% come back to their faith in their 30s. And these statistics were actually from 2014. And so just recently, I had somebody send me an article, and those numbers are actually getting even higher based on interfaith marriages and the fact that a lot of people are not growing up in church anymore at all. So if we're looking at the future of the church and the future of that community, we're losing it because we're not coming alongside this in really big community that needs mentorship, that needs hard questions answered. I am all about church community. I love church, but I've also been hurt by church. And when I was actually 22, between 21 and 22, I left my church. I walked away from it. And henceforth, I was that statistic, right? First year, you're in your early 20s. I walked away from my church and my faith because of a church hurt. 
thankfully, God pursued me and I came back in my 30s, but with a lot of baggage. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that really is on my heart, because I didn't have somebody come along and answer those hard questions, walk alongside me, because I wasn't in an early family, right? Like churches are really good at children's ministry and youth ministry and then young family ministry. But where they're lacking is young adult ministry for those people who are going to school, for those people who don't feel necessarily called to start a family when they're 20. If you see most young adults are starting to get married, not until they're like, yeah. Later and later, later almost in their 30s or late 20s. And then there's this huge gap. You're not a youth after 18. And then right? you could be 10 years not married or longer. So what are you, who's answering your questions? Who's coming along? Where's that community? Who's speaking into your life? Who's speaking into your life? And so that was what and where kinship came from was a lack in my own life and realizing that I could step up and I could do something about it obviously with a lot of direction and pushing from God. <laughs> I like to say that, oh yeah, me, me, me. No, no, no. It was a lot of, oh no, oh no, oh no. And God pushing me and reassuring me. So that is the basis of how kinship came along and why to feel a need. But if we want our church to continue to grow, we need to make sure that there's an intergenerational connection, mm-hmm. not just from children to youth, youth to it has to be straight across the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and there's so much wisdom in the older generation and so much spiritual maturity. And if that's not being passed on or communicated because there's no community, then um, then we're missing a lot. Well, and that's something that I think is really in, is important and is the basis of, one of the bases of kinship is it's not just creating a community for young adults to come and get their questions answered. It's creating that connection so they can get connected with somebody who can mentor them, walk them through the hard stuff. It's not it like, yes, the community and getting connected to other young adults is really important and we want that. But there's also that desire to get you connected into mentorship, into an authentic relationship. Because I think that's one thing that I have noticed and I'm not going to use that label. I know that you used it and I'm not going to, is that generation is really hungry for authentic relationship, not face value, not, oh, that's a great picture, flip, flip, like, like, you know, they're, they're hungry and they're just like, I almost want to say ravenous Mm -hmm. for that genuine connection. You hear it all the time. I just, I long for a genuine, genuine connection. And that's what we are offering mm-hmm. or people who have friendships and, and the, or their biggest frustration with friendships they currently have is, Oh, well, so-and-so is just so fake. Or every time I talk to this person, it's so superficial. And that yeah. has become an anthem of, of frustration within our generation, which says the exact same thing. Right. And that's exactly what the goal for this podcast is as well. It's the same goal that kinship has, that's right. but maybe something all year long. Cause we realized after the first conference that two of the big things we were missing was a, we needed a lot more prayer teams because yes. prayer is so powerful and we were just a little bit short. <laughs> just a smidge. Just a smidge, but we got that covered for this year. Yes, we do. And um, and it's a one-time thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's a phenomenal thing. And it's that mountaintop experience, right? It exactly. gets you closer to God. And I think but. that that kind of breakthrough is so helpful and that can fuel a fire to keep you going and to remember, okay, God was really, really good here. So maybe in yeah. a month from now, when things seem darker, you've got a light to look back on. Right. But that can't be it. 
Whereas this is the light to look forward with. Exactly. And the, and yeah. the light to kind of keep that fire going and, and then a yep. couple extra logs on that fire and I'll stop the metaphor there. <laughs> we could go on and on. But uh, the, the goal for this podcast is to share stories of other young adults, maybe older generations, people who have those same struggles, those same questions, because a lot of the time I hear these stories or have conversations with people and they, and I say, oh, totally. I've definitely been there. And they just look at me like, are you sure? I thought I was the only one like, oh no, I had that question too. And, and here's kind of where I came out on that side. And that's so encouraging to other people is to know that someone else has been there and that they got through it and you can get through it. Yeah. And from other generations, because I think one of the best supports I have found is listening to people who are 10, 15, 20 years older than me saying, I remember being at an age 10, 15, 20 years ago where I was starting a journey and I did not know where that journey was going to take me and I could never have known. And here is this amazing thing that exists now, whether that's a community, whether that's a ministry, whatever the case may be that they have now that they didn't have 10, 15, 20 years ago. And so I'm not there. I'm not (laughs) down the road 10, 15, 20 years from now. But the goal is to create encouragement and to create a community and rapport around the people who maybe are still in the starting stages and say there is purpose for that and um, to bring people on from older generations who can say, I am now on that side of things and and here's how it works out and here's the advice I'd give you. Yeah, exactly. So then there's one thing that you're doing to end each podcast that Mm -hmm. I think is absolutely amazing. You asked two questions. Yeah, that's the goal. So, I want to pose those two questions to you. Ah, yes. The first one is, what could the church do better in your mind? Well, yeah. And I think my mind and And yours. And again, we're not saying the church is horrible. No, I have an entire tattoo devoted to how beautiful the church is and how necessary the church is. I have many. Yeah. So (laughs) we're pro-church for sure. Definitely. But we also see that... Like anything, it's a, it, it, there's a need for change and growth. Yeah, exactly. And no one is perfect, and the church is That's only right. made up of people, and the people are not perfect, including myself. So And me. And me. <laughs> so I think my what could the church do better at this stage uh, sounds very similar to the vision for kinship. Yeah. And, um, and that's, I think, being an inviting and mentoring space. Mm. Um, I was at... A church, a big church in Calgary for a lot of my big youth years and into my young adulthood. And I felt called out of that church. My whole family kind of just got called out of that church at the same time um, because God was trying to do new things. And that's awesome. But at the time... terrifying probably. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Very terrifying. I had no idea what I was supposed to be doing or where I was Mm. supposed to go. And so I spent probably the better part of a year and a half to two years at churches that I kind of had friends at or kind of knew. And I was about to get connected with one and like join their like leadership team and, and, and just felt that that was not where God had placed me. Yeah. And so I had a roommate at the time, bless her sweet, sweet heart. Love you, Christy. Um, <laughs> who was also looking for a church community. And we spent an entire summer praying into it. She was out of town with family and I um, was in town, but busy. And so we just spent the whole summer praying for God to reveal a church for us to go to. And, he did. Um, short story, he did. But the problem that I found was before I was connected to that church, which was beautiful, um, the main problem I found in my search for a church community, now that God had pulled me out of the last one that I was so connected to, yeah. was that none of the churches felt 
welcoming or open or inviting. Like I would walk into a church that Mm -hmm. I'd never been to by myself. Some of them were big ish. Some of them were pretty small and they all have the like welcome booth and the welcome team. And that's fine. The welcome team can only do so much. They're shaking a million hands when you walk in usually, but then they'd have the booth afterwards, which is supposed to be someone who greets you, connects you. And those people were always distant or busy or would just like hand me the little package of things and send me on my way. And I really just found myself dying for someone to say, hi, oh, it's so nice to meet you. You're looking for an authentic connection, an authentic connection, someone to say, so glad you're here. What are you looking for? What are you into? We've got a bunch of ministries. We'd love to have you connect. What's your name? Like, here's a person who's your age group that you could maybe talk to. They've been coming here for a while. They might be a good, anything anything right and the first and the thing that immediately drew me to the church we went to was that we went to the young adults group first funny enough and it was so (laughs) welcoming we were hugged on entrance which introverts out there i know that's not for everybody but it was just such a stark contrast to the distance that i had felt at so many other churches and it has continued to be that a really crazy welcoming environment and we've done that for other people and heard them say the same thing I was about to walk out and then you guys just ran up to me and said, hey, you look new. What's your story? Tell us who you are. We'd love, we'd love to hang out with you. Yeah. So that's the one thing churches I think could do a bit better is just find a way to connect with people authentically, authentically, in a more genuine way. Yeah. So the next question is, this is a good one. What would you tell your 22 year old self? Not that your 22-year-old self was that long ago. Long enough. Long (laughs) enough. Long enough. Yeah, actually, well, maybe not long enough. I don't know that I've got super great advice for me. So then what would you tell your 18-year-old self then? I think in the end, it would probably be the same thing to either one, which is sort of what I alluded to earlier. I think I would tell my 22-year-old self just to stay the course. Mm-hmm. And, and it, and life might not go the way you're expecting it to. And that's okay. Yeah. It's okay. The best story I heard in my teenage years was of someone who thought that she had to have it all figured out and then just prayed and God gave her like, this is what you're going to do next year. And then the following year it was like, this is what you're going to do this year. And she didn't have, uh, she didn't have a plan going forward. And I, I thought I had to have this perfect plan for ages And I think that the best advice I could have given myself at that time when I was 22 would be just to keep on, to be obedient because really amazing things can happen and your life can be really beautiful if you accept it as it is instead of constantly trying to make it something it's not or something that you really want it to be when it's not that time yet. Yeah. And um, and really just to embrace the really good things that are happening and to embrace the, the journey that you are on, even if it's not exactly the one you thought you'd be on or the one that you maybe wanted to be on. That's good. That's really good. Yeah. So um, your turn. <laughs> you already said that um, you had some, you had hurts from the church and that's yeah. why you left and then came back. And so um, what would you say that the church could do to be better? I think, yeah, the biggest thing for me, and that's why I'm doing kinship, is to mentor the younger generation, walk alongside them and really like be open to asking the hard questions, like having them ask hard questions. 
whether you have the answer or not, sometimes even just being like, I don't know, let's find out together is a huge thing. Like if I had had somebody tell me that instead of coming and being like, you know what, you need to stop asking these questions. You need to stop questioning. Because I think that's a big part of young adults making their faith, taking their parents' faith and make it, making it their own. Yes. You know, is asking those questions. Because if you're just going by, well, this is what I said, then is it really truly your faith? So I think it it's definitely walking alongside and being willing to sit in somebody else's muck with them. Yeah, 100%. Because I really wish I had have had somebody sit in the muck with me when I was struggling and asking those questions, and I didn't. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And I found that that was the best thing I took away from Bible college was I didn't necessarily come away with more answers. Did you find you came away with more questions? More questions. More questions. More questions than answers, but... But the tools to answer them. Yes. Yeah. Took the words right out of my mouth. That's because I went to the same school as you. We just fist bumped. Don't worry about it. (laughs) And last question. Yeah. What would you have told your about-to-walk-away-from-the-church 22-year-old self? Oh... I think there's a, a couple things. Obviously, the first one, you know what? I don't even know if I would have would have told myself not to walk away from the church. Mm. I think I may have would have said find a different church community. Right, but the church you were at was not a church that was being a blessing to yeah. you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to walk away from that community was, I think, the right choice. How I did it was wrong. Mm. So uh, I think really the dreams and you hopes you that you have now aren't the dreams and hopes that God has for you. And that's okay. Cause his are better. Ooh, yeah. I think sometimes we, we, we get dreams and hopes based on like our parents and also society and what like, and school, what they want little box to put you in. And God has something so much more. And we may not necessarily see it when we're 22, right? Like 22 was 20 years ago. Oh, (laughs) it was 20 years ago. And what I wanted then is not what I have now, but I look at my life and I look at the direction and what God has me doing. And it really is so much more than I ever thought I would be capable of. And so... That would be it. Just your dreams and your hopes aren't always God's, and that's okay. Yep. <laughs> yeah. He might ask you to do a podcast. He might ask you to be a founder of a, a conference. Who knows? Who knows? I did not. Guess you'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you so much, Jackie. Like, I am so excited for the direction that this is going to go in, and yeah. I am so excited that... I get to jump in every once in a while and do this with you. Uh, I'm also very grateful I don't have to do it every two weeks. Thank you for taking this on. (laughs) You're welcome. So that I don't have to and I can focus on kinship. Yeah. 100%. So Love it. This is my jam. So I just want to send you forth with lots of blessings and encouragement knowing that this is something God has intended for you. And hit the ground running, my love, because I am 
he's going to look down and just be like, that's my girl. That's my girl. Because I'm doing it. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Earthly mama's doing it. My heart's Earthly all full of blessings. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I guess I could be your mom, hey? Oh, oh. Yeah. Oh, well, older sister. Older sister? Older sister. Can we do that? Big older sister s- pride. There we go. Much I'm better. Gonna, much better. Yeah. So, so thank you to everyone who's listening. And thank you, yes, Lana, for being here. I'm glad that I don't have to do it alone. <laughs> anytime, and, anytime. And for the encouragement. Um, and thank you all for listening. And we will see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to Uncanonical. If you have any questions or want to get a hold of us, you can email uncanonicalpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook or Instagram at Kinship Conference. And to find all our new episodes, head to kinshipconference.com slash podcast.